listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. So I grew up in, I was just talking to somebody actually, I grew up in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I just recently went back to visit my parents. They live now in um, uh, right near Bowling Green, Ohio, which is over near Toledo. And um, if you know anything about Ohio and where cities are and stuff, but um, I was driving around and there's just like cornfields everywhere you look and farms and stuff. And uh, that's not the Ohio that I grew up with. I grew up in Columbus, Ohio. Um, my, it was my... Um, My upbringing was very inner city, you know, very mixed culture, um, and I, like, I went to a high school that was very urban, and, um, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was pretty, pretty tough school, honestly, and, and we lived, we were poor, and we lived in a tough area, and, um, and so I just, like, I think our, the backyard to our uh, townhouse uh, it was like a, a patio slab that was maybe double the size of this preaching platform or whatever, and it maybe had like a one by ten dirt spot, right? And so, like, I mean, I, I vaguely have this memory when I was really little of my mom like trying to plant flowers in that little one by ten dirt patch, you know, and it just totally not, not working or anything like that. So I know nothing about farming, gardening, like it might be deceiving when, when you, when you hear that I'm from Ohio, because, you know, Ohio, there's lots of corn, apparently. I didn't know that until later, (laughs) you know, but, um, but, uh, so I don't know, I know very little about gardening, but the last couple of uh, Mother's Days, my boys and I have given this gift to my wife. My wife's love language is acts of service. Anybody else an act of service person in here? She doesn't care about gifts. She, you know, she wants she wants you to do something for her. And um, and so the last uh, I after we just celebrated 17 years of marriage, and I think about year 16, I finally figured it out. <laughs> but, um, but the last couple of years, no, it would have been earlier than that, but not much, I'll tell you that much. But, <laughs> but, but the last couple of Mother's Days, my boys have taken her to Home Depot uh, uh, and let her buy plants and trees and whatever she wants to buy, and then we help her plant them, which basically means like she points and we put it in for her, right? And and, uh, so I know nothing, nothing about gardening. And I believe that my wife knows maybe like 2% more than me, right? So we're like picking out plants or whatever and, and, you know, like trying to figure it out. So this year, it wasn't just plants. Like the first year we did it, she bought a couple of fruit trees and we got like some fake whiskey barrel, you know, things or whatever. And that was fairly easy. This year she wanted to plant a mini garden, right? And I like, again, we know nothing about gardening, right? And and so for me, like I'm stressed out because I'm the type of person that wants to research, like figure out what plants do well and what plants to stay away from and the heat sensitive and the water, you know, like, like I want the info first 
of how to succeed and then I will do it, right? I, but I need all the info first. She's like, oh yeah, uh, you just throw that in there and you know, like uh, we'll plant this here and uh, yeah, that looks good, right? Throw some water on it, it'll be good. Just like do it. Don't need to research, just do it. And that stresses me out so much. But, but she just is like, you know, let's just, let's just go for it, see what happens. But I'm thinking like, we just spent like 150 bucks on all these plants and I really would like that money to not just be thrown in the trash in like a month, you know? And, 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 but she has no problem just like learning as she goes and just going for it. But I want all the information. And um, it amazes me, honestly, we, we still have a garden. Like, this has been since, since May, Mother's Day is in May, and uh, we, we still have a garden, and we have tomatoes, and we have peppers, and we didn't know anything. She was just like, yeah, that spot looks good. It, it, it amazes me it, and, and I, that she can just go for it like that. Like, for me, it would have taken me till now to get all the information, right? So I, I say that today, I, I say that because today we're going to talk about seeds, and there's a lot of gardening analogies today. And so I just want to tell you up front that I know nothing about gardening at all. And uh, my wife apparently is a gardener. I don't know. She, she doesn't know that either. <laughs> but um, it's, it's interesting to see how fast some plants spring up and how fast plants, some plants die in the same elements, right? It, that's just a really interesting thing to me. And, and Jesus... He, he, he taught this parable to a large crowd. Is there a disco concert going on or something? Lights are flashing. Andy's like, oh, okay. Sorry about that, guys. Um, so Jesus began, he, he used this analogy of the seeds and the soil and the conditions for surrounding the seed in this parable in Matthew 13. And, and Jesus is, is uh, surrounded by this big crowd and his disciples. And, and uh, so he decides that uh, Jesus was really good at using the natural elements around him. So, so he actually gets out on a boat on the water so that the water amplifies his voice to the crowd, which is really, really cool. And he begins to teach this parable, and Matthew 13 is where we're gonna spend almost all of our time today um, because it's just so rich and so good, and I believe that there's something in here for you today. Um, so let's go ahead and, and read beginning at verse so Jesus is out on a boat. There's a large crowd and his disciples, and he begins to teach uh, this, this parable. Um, and he told them many things in parables, saying, a sower went out to sow, and, he, and as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up, 
since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. And then skipping down to verse 18, this is where, this is one of the few times that Jesus actually like plainly explains the parable that he gives. And so starting at verse 18, he's going to begin to explain what we just read. Uh, Hear then the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on the account of the word, immediately he falls away. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another sixty and in another 30. Let's, um, I just want to pause for a moment and, and, and just pray over this before we go any far, farther. Um, Jesus, I, I just echo what, what Shannon said, Lord. I pray that uh, you would speak your truth, that the message that you have this morning would come forward, um, that you would use me as you see fit um, to bring forth your word today. Father, we love you. We're focused on you. We're in the moment now with you, Lord. Speak to us as you wish. In Jesus' name, amen. So, the, so this parable, the seeds. So, so in this parable, there's a sower, and he's sowing seeds. And, and so back in this days, this, this would have been a very common uh, analogy. The, the people listening to this parable would have been uh, incredibly familiar with, with this scenario. So a sower is a person who has like a, like a messenger bag uh, of seeds, you know, and is just walking up and down, just handful of seeds, just sowing the seeds, right? Now they have machines that do that kind of stuff. Um, but literally back in this day, it would have just been a person just like tossing out seeds everywhere. Um, in this analogy, Jesus is the sower. Jesus is the sower. So hold on to that. Hold on to that. Now the seeds, what does Jesus say the seeds are? The seeds are uh, the word of the kingdom. What does he mean by the word of the kingdom? Well, he means the good news, the gospel, the word of the kingdom of God that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, has come to be Savior of the world and to put everyone back in right relationship with God by his sacrifice. That is the word of God, the word of the kingdom. Um, 
And so when, when you're throwing seeds, you know, when you're a sower, you don't um, bend down. Like when you're doing it by hand, you don't bend down unless, like if you're trying to plant a ton of crops, you don't bend down and, and like stick each individual seed in. Like these sowers would just, they would sow liberally. Liberally. It would just be seeds, 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 you know. And um, uh, a seed, when received properly, becomes a plant that produces a crop, right? I don't know anything about farming. I'm asking. Is that right? Yeah? Okay. The work of the gospel in your life is what produces fruit. The work of the gospel in your life is what produces a crop. The seeds of the gospel, here's the thing we need to get our heads around, is that the seed is always good. It's the conditions that surround the seed that are not always good. The seed is always good. The seed of the gospel is always good good, and it never, ever returns void. The variable comes in with how the seed is received and cared for. Tracking with that? The variable comes in with how the seed is received and cared for. Um, In the analogy, we're the soil, right? Um, And how we receive and steward the growth of the seed matters, right? How we receive it in our heart. Jesus lists four ways that the seed of the gospel can be received into our soil. And the soil is just a metaphor for our heart. And uh, I believe that there, Jesus told us about four positions of the heart to receive the seed of the gospel. The first one is the hard heart, right? The hard heart. And uh, if you go to verse four, hey, can we just kill these flashing lights and just turn on the overheads? Because, thanks, Andy. Hard heart is the first of four different soils that the seed can be received into. In verse 4, as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured them. And then when he explains it in verse 19, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what has been sown in his heart. This is what is sown along the path. Jesus describes this heart as a path. And I think, uh, I, I really think the modern picture of like a path is, is, that he's talking about is almost more like a trail. Like a trail. Um, the trail that's been walked and hiked and rode upon year after year after year. Right? It's been wore down over the course of time. The soil of these uh, kinds of paths is so packed, it's packed so hard that even water can only penetrate the surface level, right? If you try to dig in the dirt of a worn path, you better have some good tools, right? 
because the dirt is hard to crack. And in verse 19, Jesus says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, remember, the word of the kingdom, that's the gospel message, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes. What does Jesus mean, understand? Right? What what does it mean? Uh, Of course, when the seed of the gospel is is planted in you, you don't understand everything about it. Like, you you just don't. It's a learning process. Well, actually, the word understand comes from the Greek word all right, suniami, suniami, there we go, suniami. I'm glad I put that little pronunciation strip in my notes there. Suniami. And suniami, that, that's the Greek word for understand, and it means join together. Join together. Suniami. Understand. Join together means there is a melding of the two entities, right? Uh, the soil and the seed have become one, just like a, when a couple uh, gets married and the, and, the, and the two become one, or uh, the woman's egg is fertilized by the man's seed. That was a joke. And a baby is born. Fail. What are you guys in middle school? Come on. (laughs) So when Jesus is saying those who hear the gospel and don't understand it, what he's really saying is those whose hearts who hear the gospel and don't take the action of joining together with it, joining together with it, those are the hardened hearts. Those are the hardened hearts. When they don't understand, they're, they're not taking the action of joining together. The seed and the soil need to come together to bear fruit, right? Jesus says the gospel seed can, can be spread to the hardened heart, but the seed won't be joined together in the soil, right? The heart is so hard that it rejects the seed, So the seed just sits there on the top layer, completely exposed, not joined in any way with the soil, and the enemy will come and intentionally snatch it away before it has any chance at cracking the surface. Just like a, has anybody ever left food on the beach? (laughs) Right? Those seagulls, man, they are brutal and mean. Like Pixar perfectly encapsulated seagulls in uh, Finding Nemo when they say, mine, mine, that's all they say. The seagulls in Finding Nemo is mine, right? Like you can leave a chip on the ground and there's three seagulls trying to eat it, right? That's what the enemy is like when the seed of the gospel is left on the surface. The enemy is like, mine? I don't want you to have that. Mine, right? 
The seed doesn't even crack the surface on the layer of a hard heart. And it keeps it from making any progress. And the enemy comes and steals it away. The second, is, is, um, the second type of heart position that a seed can be received into, and, and frankly, this is the one that hit me the hardest, is the superficial heart. The superficial heart. In verse 5, other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil, and immediately they sprang up. Since they had no depth of soil, but when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. So in verse 20 and 21, Jesus explains, As for what was sown on the rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, yet has no root in himself, but endures for a while when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately falls away. This heart seems to accept the seed, but it doesn't let the seed go down deep enough to take root. The seed stays near the surface and sprouts up quickly, right? It, it shows transformation quickly, showing extravagant signs of growth and transformation so quickly. But because the root system is shallow, the minute it meets some adversity, it withers and dies and falls away. I've seen this so many times. I have seen this at conferences I have seen this at camps. There was this one time when I was in high school, I think I was a sophomore, um, some friends, I, I, I grew up in church, but I was never a Christian. I didn't accept uh, Christ until I was way later in life, and uh, like 19, I think. And um, when I was a sophomore, some friends uh, talked me into going to this thing called Hell Walk. And um, it was like right around Halloween. And so I, I honestly thought it was a haunted house or, or you know, something like that. So, so we all go. We wait in this long line forever. It's freezing. And, um, and we, we go through this thing. And basically what this church had done was they had simulated like a, um, like a haunted house kind of thing in their, in their front yard. But it was all about what hell was going to be like. No joke. I'm not joking. And so not there so there were people dressed as like demons. There were like live fire, like like bursts of flames and stuff like that. There was like a metal cage that they put us in that had just had a burst of fire in it. Right? Um and, and so you go through all the, the, like these demons are chasing you and there's all these weird visuals and stuff like that and like, I didn't know what I was getting into when I, when I went there. So, like, all this is, like, catching me off guard and just, like, freaking me out a bit. And uh, it, you get to the end, basically, and there's, um, there's two doors at the end of this thing. And one of them has, like, a cross on it and one of them has, a, like, a question mark on it or something like that. And... I was like, 
so freaked out that I did not want to go through the question door, right? And, and it's not because I all of a sudden like knew Jesus was real and the seed had burst open in my heart, you know? It was because I was freaked the heck out, <laughs> right? And so I go through the cross door and there's this giant tent on the other side of the door with people waiting to pray for you. And so they like grab you and bring you over to this chair, right? And, and then basically I felt pushed to accept, to like say, yes, I accept Jesus. Can we get this over with? I'm not, I'm not joking at all. This is a thousand percent real. And, and so like I get in the car after all this is over and I'm just like, what did I just do? Like, this is crazy, you know, like, what, like, who, who, who does something like that? And so, like, you, so, you, that's, that's the seed, though, that just goes just below the surface, just enough to grow just a little bit, and then it gets squashed out. People have an emotional experience at a conference or a worship a concert or a camp, and then they come back to reality and realize that living out a Christian life and a gospel life, gospel-centered life, is, 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 is work, and you have to make some hard choices with your life. And, and this root system isn't there, and it burns up. It burns up. It, it, there may be radical transformation at first. In my case, there wasn't. It was like I got in the car and was like, man, those people are crazy. <laughs> we will never do anything like that, by the way, <laughs> FYI, ever. Because scare tactics don't work. It didn't work for me. It, scare tactics don't work. Emotional experiences don't work. They, the seed has to develop in your heart, in the soil of your heart before it gets scorched. People have an emotional experience to the gospel and then when the emotional high wears off, they're met with some hard life choices and the good seed that transforms so quickly begins to grow faint because as Jesus said, there is no root in them. The third heart position is the divided heart the divided heart. In uh, verse seven, it says this, other seeds fell among, among thorns and the thorns grew up and choked them, right? Uh, verse 22, he explains, as for what was sown among thorns, this is one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it proves unfruitful. This is the most subversive of the four, in my opinion, because there are two very different things growing in one heart soil. Two different, very different things growing in one heart soil. It's the soil's divided. So some thorns grow quickly, subtly, and others just pop up overnight, right? This happens when our heart is divided and the gospel only gets part of our heart, right? Jesus specifically mentions a couple of examples of what thorns could look like in our lives, right? He says, 
the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will choke out the gospel in your life. Jesus talks about money and material possessions a ton in the New Testament, and not because he's trying to get your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He does not need your money, but because he knew that money and possessions would be a constant source of struggle and temptation for us, This is why he spoke on it and used it in analogies over and over again. Because when our love for money, things, status, and whatever else you may want to throw in there, when those things grow, it diminishes our love for God. It occupies space in our heart that should be devoted to God. John First uh, John 2.15 says this, Do not love the world or the things in the world. For anyone, if anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. The divided heart wants the gospel of Jesus Christ to coexist with something else. Maybe it's sin. But that's impossible. It One or the other will die out. You will go to war against the thorns in your life with the power of the gospel in you, or the thorns will grow and kill off any opportunity for gospel fruit in your life, and you will become barren. The fourth one, the fourth heart position is the rooted heart. In verse 8, it says this, 8 and 9. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who has ears, let him hear. Why is Jesus talking about ears? Because ears receive. They receive sound just like soil receives the seed. Right? He who has ears, let him hear. As for what was sown, this is in verse 23, as for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. There's that understand phrase again. Uh, he in, indeed bears fruit and yields in one case a hundredfold, in another 60, and in another 30. This heart is what I called the rooted heart. The rooted heart. And notice that there's that phrase again, understand the good soil is the one who hears the word and understands it or joins together with it. Suniami. This is the heart that has taken the time and effort to let the gospel join together with their heart and take root. This is the heart. This heart may not have been good soil to start out with, but they did the work to uproot the rocks and the thorns in their life to see that the gospel flourished in them, right? They were intentional about caring for the seed of the gospel planted within them, striving to nourish and protect it. They were intentional about keeping Jesus in the seat of honor in their life. And through this, the gospel was allowed to produce all kinds of crops and fruit in their life. And what does the crop 
the crops and fruit look like? Well, I think it's different for everybody, and I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he applies those numbers at the end. Sometimes it's 100, sometimes it's 30, sometimes it's 60, but either way, it's going to be what beyond what you could do on your own. I don't know much about gardening, but I do know this, is that each new piece of fruit or grain or crops, each one contains more of its own seeds to be spread around. The seed, the gospel. So I just want to admit to you guys, I've been struggling with this passage for several weeks now. Um, and I couldn't quite figure out why I was struggling so bad because it's a pretty straightforward teaching, you know. Um, I felt like the Lord was trying to teach me something through this parable, and I felt like the more and more I read it, the more my head was just swimming, and I was just confused. Has anybody ever been there? Like, you're stuck on a passage, but, like, you just are like, what? Is going on here, right? And uh, it's a pretty straightforward parable, which is what was so confusing about it. Like, this is one of the only ones that Jesus actually explains, so there's not a whole lot of thinking to do outside of it, right? But I was just stuck on it, and, and I, was, uh, I was just like, Jesus, like, I need the answer to this. I need to know why this is not sitting well in me right now. And, and uh, last night I was, I was praying about today and just kind of covering the service in prayer and asking the Lord to just give me even further clarity on the message today and, and why I was just so conflicted about it and and I, I, I believe that he answered my prayer right then and there. And he said, it's, uh, I, I think it's because you want to be the seed. Stick with me on this, okay? I think, <laughs> I think you want to be the seed. And, and I think you aren't the only one, Jason, who wants to be the seed. I think a lot of us want to be the seed. I want to be the one that is visibly flourishing and bearing ripe fruit for the taking. Out of my pride and selfishness, I want to be the one that is seen, right? Plus, here's another thing. The seed has no responsibility for its own growth has no responsibility for its own growth. It just gets planted and either it grows or it doesn't, right? The seed isn't responsible for the conditions it's planted in. Lots of times, I don't want to be responsible for the gospel's growth in my own heart. Like, I want to rely on other people to feed the gospel to me rather than be intentional about nourishing it and caring for it myself in my own heart. Nourishing the gospel growth in my own heart. 
But Jesus says, our hearts aren't the seed, our hearts are the soil, right? Not the seed, the soil. And the more I sat with that for a while, I realized that Jesus actually knows what he's talking about, right? Because the truth is, we don't grow in the gospel of Jesus. We don't grow in the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus grows in us. I just, I'm gonna say that one more time. We don't grow in the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus grows in us. Because we aren't the seed, we're the soil. And the soil stewards the seed so that the seed can grow. When we steward the gospel of Jesus well, the gospel grows in us and the gospel produces fruit. The glory goes to Jesus, not us. And being the soil, we have to lay our pride down for the greater glory of Jesus and the gospel to be further planted. So it's my job as the soil to keep my heart fresh, soft, and tender, thorn and stone free so that the gospel can grow in me and produce gospel fruit. See, when I truly, later on, several years later, accepted Jesus, I mean, my whole life, I had been raised in church, but I raged against it. And when I finally came to the Lord He came to me in, in, in tenderness and in mercy, and I accepted that seed to begin to grow. And I began studying the Bible and spending time in prayer, and I began to, I, rather than playing in bands and coffee houses and stuff like that, I, I, I wanted to spend more time playing worship music and the thing about the seed is it, it, in the roots is that there's no quick way to develop a root system. There's no shortcuts. There is no shortcuts. Taking root takes time. That's the only way the gospel will produce fruit in your life. And as I began to grow and the seed of the gospel began to grow in me and I began to surround myself with, with other people more and more that I could learn from and grow from and that nourished the seed of the gospel in my own heart, the more the gospel grew in me. And so, as the worship team comes, I just, I want to ask you, what kind of soil is your heart? 
What kind of position is your heart in right now? Is it the hardened heart? Or maybe you've had some experiences with churches or Christians that have soured you to the gospel, and so any seed of the gospel just sits on the surface for the enemy to snatch away. Or maybe it's the superficial heart where you're trying to grow, you're trying to grow the gospel in you, and it tough times come or adversity and every time you you just feel squashed you feel burnt and you feel yourself kind of moving away is it the divided heart where you're trying to grow the gospel in your life and something else Maybe it's uh, status or if I could only, I just need to do what I got to do to get that raise. I'll deal with the repercussions later in my own life, but if I could just get that raise or I don't know what it is for you in your life. but I do know that the, that the gospel will eventually be choked out. Jesus says so if you allow the thorns to continue to grow in your heart. Or are you the rooted heart? And the gospel is deep-rooted in you and It's beginning to produce fruit. And maybe it's not as quickly as you would like. Maybe you've even gone as far to spread some seeds around. I would say to you, don't be discouraged. Building roots takes time. Producing fruit takes time. Be faithful. Figure out where your heart's position is. And I just, I, I ask you, figure out where, what position your heart is in and, and, and give it over to God. Ask him to deal with the stones and the thorns and the hardness. I want to pray for you guys. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.